lots and lots of Republicans voted for me in the Senate to substitute its judgment for the people in picking a president. They are ready for someone to take the reins. We need more engagement in this public discourse and not less. Just listen. I think that's what I need to do is just really listen. What's up, Tennessee? Welcome to TriStar Talk. I'm Jeff Patterson, here to give you the latest on everything happening in the TriStar state. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe. We are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TriStar Talk for more news and updates. It is Earth Day, so happy Earth Day, everyone. We've been celebrating Earth Day for 50 years now. Started in 1970 to provide a voice to this emerging environmental consciousness and to put environmental concerns on the front page. Started with Senator Gaylord Nelson. He was a junior senator from Wisconsin, and he had long been concerned about the deteriorating environment in the United States. Then in January 1969, he and many others witnessed the ravages of a massive oil spill in California. Inspired by the student anti-war movement, Senator Nelson wanted to infuse the energy of student anti-war protests with an emerging public consciousness about air and water pollution. Senator Nelson announced the idea for a teach-in on college campuses to the national media and persuaded Pete McCloskey, a conservative-minded Republican congressman, to serve as his co-chair. They recruited Dennis Hayes, a young activist, to organize the campus teach-ins, and they chose April 22nd, a weekday falling between spring break and final exams, to maximize the greatest student participation. Recognizing its potential to inspire all Americans, Hayes built a national staff of 85 to promote events across the land, and the effort soon broadened to include a wide range of organizations, faith groups, and others. They changed the name to Earth Day, which immediately sparked national media attention and caught on across the country. Earth Day inspired 20 million Americans, which at the time was 10% of the total population of the U.S., to take to the streets, parks, and auditoriums to demonstrate against the impacts of 150 years of industrial development, which had led to a growing legacy of serious human health impacts. Thousands of colleges and universities organized protests against the deterioration of the environment, and there were massive coast-to-coast rallies in cities, towns, and communities. And here we are today. There is a diverse coalition of people who know we need to do more, more to protect our environment, protect our health, save the planet, because the situation will get very dire if we do not act now to change our country's habits and to lead a global effort to ensure that all nations are prioritizing the environment and the health of our environment and the health of all of our people. So that's a quick Earth Day recap. If you can, and if you can do so safely, go outside, enjoy the, enjoy the weather. For your coronavirus updates, as we discussed yesterday, Governor Bill Lee said that he is beginning a phased reopening of the state's economy. He is encouraging social distancing. He is discouraging gatherings of 10 or more people and said that visits to nursing homes and long-term care facilities would still be restricted since their residents are considered a vulnerable population. And elective medical procedures will also remain suspended. This is a really big deal for rural hospitals and healthcare providers who've been on the brink of closure for a long time. I know there's already been so many rural hospital closures in Tennessee over the years, but elective medical procedures help those those hospitals bring in revenue. But right now, the focus on all help from the focus right now is just dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. Governor Lee also announced that there will be a task force 
created to address challenges and to look into the health disparities in communities of color in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic to spark long-term conversations. So really, Governor Lee isn't going to do anything to help communities of color who have been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. And it's really just a total failure on his part. And he's making all these decisions based on the testing of 108,000 people statewide. And that is out of a total population in Tennessee of almost 7 million. So it's it, the testing is completely inadequate. And I don't, and, and, it, and it would make almost no sense why Governor Lee is making these decisions that are not in the interest of Tennessee, but are also against the advice he's getting from health experts, from, from economists. So it should be unsurprising to hear that the information that he's getting is, is definitely biased and it doesn't have Tennessee's best interest. State Representative Gloria Johnson really called out the governor. He, she, in a, in a thread on, on Twitter, raised a lot of different points. She said that she got off the phone with the governor and he talked about opening up the economy and all the great testing, but it's not even true. She said Knox ran out of testing after two days and other, other areas have as well. She said Lee tried to justify the reopening as he had at, at, at press conferences, but she said that it was convoluted, not based in science. And, and the fact that we've tested less than 2% of Tennesseans is really leaving us pretty blind on what to do. The, the economic task force that, that Lee started is mostly lobbyists. The head is also the head of the NFIB, which is a group that pretends to be for small business, even though less than 10, 10% of Tennessee small businesses are, are members. And if you Google them, you can find that 90% of their money comes from the Koch brothers. And, and the, head, the head of the task force that they like to call in as an expert whenever they want to shoot down things like raised wages and paid family leave is not acting in the interest of, of Tennessee and is not listening to the, to the experts either. There are no practicing doctors or epidemiologists on the task force. There's no union leaders. There's no one there that prioritizes workers. Though I, I, I did think, I, I think I saw something recently that said that they were, that the state was preparing to just send masks to everyone and encourage them to wear them, but there's not going to be a requirement that people wear them, not even in public. I know I go out and I'll see, I see workers at places that aren't wearing masks. A lot of people walking around aren't wearing them. So, so once you, once you know all that, it becomes clearer why Lee is making the decisions he's making. He's just listening to lobbyists. He's listening to special interest people with money. And I think he's just hoping it's all going to work out, but I don't think it will. And a lot of experts don't think that it will. We do have a serious economic crisis on our hands. It looks like Tennessee is heading for a recession. So what is that going to look like? Tennessee doesn't have an income tax. Most of the state's money comes from, from sales tax. The U.S. Department of Commerce said that retail sales were down nearly 9%, making it the biggest month-over-month -month decline since the government started even collecting records on this. Tennessee is only behind Nevada, South Dakota, Washington, Texas, and Florida in terms of dependence on general sales tax revenue, given that as much as 52% of Tennessee's tax sources derive from the general sales tax. So people are going out less, people are spending less, that's less revenue for the state, and workers are going to be the ones that are going to take a hit from this, honestly. 
Lee is probably going to lay off a lot of state workers. The legislature is definitely going to have to come together and cobble together a new budget based on the the conditions that we're in right now, economic and health-wise. And if we're if we're learning from history back in 2008 when the the housing housing market crashed and so many Tennesseans were impacted, then Governor Phil Bredesen trimmed the state's payroll by 2,000 employees. And in 2009, he laid off more than 700 state workers. But Governor Lee hasn't really made any decisions. He hasn't laid out a plan. He hasn't said what he's going to do. But just based on what he's been doing right now, I, I think that his instinct is just going to be to fire a lot of people and make up the money that way. Tennessee does have a rainy day fund that's got about a billion dollars in it. And that so that's two separate funds. It's the Reserve for Revenue Fluctuations and it's the 10-Care Reserve Fund. It's a rainy day fund because it's meant to be used for times of crisis like this. So the state could tap into that and use use some of that fund to maybe provide relief for the state to make up some of the difference in the in the budget issues, but it's probably not going to be enough. And they're probably not going to want to use a lot of it. Some Tennessee politicians like to boast about how Tennessee, how well Tennessee is run, how good the economy is here. But they never point out the fact that we were already in a healthcare crisis in this state before the coronavirus happened. It's just it's just that in the midst of the crisis, things are so much worse for everyone. So now that they have to pay attention to it. And Tennessee's education system has not been ranked one of the best in the country either. What we really need to remember here is that both public health experts and economists agree that the public health issue here has to come first. But, but focusing only on the economy and not the public health per- crisis isn't going to help us. I, I really hope that Governor Lee knows what he's doing. He probably doesn't. And the people that he's getting his information from are not good faith actors. I don't, they're not going to be serving the interests of people in Tennessee. They're serving business interests or even national political interests. And according to a new analysis from Pew Stateline, the South in general is poised to see more death and financial loss from COVID-19 than any other region in the country. Not only because so many Republican governors delayed stay-at-home orders, included extreme religious exemptions that allowed large crowds to continue to gather, and are now reopening beaches and nail salons before the curve has started to flatten. It is, in large part, because of decades of policies from Republicans that undercut government programs and left individuals to fend for themselves, which has led to higher poverty rates, gaping holes in the social safety net and the healthcare system, in which 75 rural hospitals across the, across the South have been shuttered in the last year alone. And Tennessee is leading the nation in rural hospital closures per capita. Really, to prevent further collapse, Congress needs to step up. Our state leaders are not going to do anything. Congress needs to make sure that every worker in America keeps receiving a paycheck and keeps receiving benefits. And all those who don't have benefits, who don't have health care, Congress needs to do all that for everyone. That is the only way we're going to handle this crisis. And I came across this video. Uh, This guy, he just... 
he he really demonstrates the frustration that we're all feeling right now. I, I I'm not going to say too much more on it right now because I think this guy really really drives the point home pretty well. So let's listen to what he has to say. Hey, just going to say it now, dear government. We understand that the virus is not your fault. It happened. It is what it is. I'm not going to get into that idea that maybe you could have acted sooner. We can deal with that when this is all over. But here's the deal. We need a real fucking plan. It was the right move to make everyone stay home because that's the only way to deal with a virus like this. But here's where I have a problem. So... You told us to shut down non-essential businesses. You told us to go home and quarantine. You told us we have to keep social distance and stay inside. But you told us you would help. So where is the fucking help? These checks are what they are. I mean, let's be serious. I'm not going to turn away 1200 bucks because, number one, if you're going to give it to me, I'm taking it. And number two, it's our fucking money, not yours. It's ours. We paid that in taxes. For everything we do, every fucking day. So, okay, look at the typical family. Mortgage payment, healthcare payment, car payments, electric, water, garbage, phone, blah, 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 blah. So maybe, maybe the 1200 covers the mortgage. But what about all the other costs that we have each month? This $1,200 thing isn't doing shit for the normal working family. You want to help? Here's one idea. Tell the fucking banks and mortgage company to stop all mortgage payments at this time. Just stop them. And don't give me that three-month furlough bullshit. How does that even make sense? So someone who lost their job because you said to stay at home doesn't pay mortgage for three months, but in the fourth month they had to not only pay that month that's due, but also the three months they owed in full because it was furloughed? How the fuck does that help, you greedy cocksuckers? Someone was just unemployed and not earning money for three months. They weren't earning money. Hello? Now they just start back to work and all that money magically appears so they can pay the three months in a lump sum. How are they fucking paying that? Are you fucking idiots? Look, it almost makes sense that they can stop paying the current mortgage due for a month when they go back to work. But they can't pay a prior three months. They had no income. So here's the idea. Just add the three fucking months of the furlough to the back end of the loan. So if they have, let's say, 19 years and six months left in their mortgage, just add the three months. Tonight I have 19 years and nine months. How fucking hard is that? You'll get your money, you shitbags. It's just delayed. The working stiff wins if you do that. It really helps. It actually helps. And what is up with these banks and lending assholes? I mean, come on, you little... Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I couldn't say it better than that. He really is just expressing the frustrations that we're all feeling right now. And he's absolutely right. And no one is helping. No one is doing anything to to provide more financial relief, to provide health care. I came across this quote. The United States was once known for its can-do culture. We built the Panama Canal and we put a man on the moon. And now we can't get a swab or a face mask or a gown. And we have no real chain of command. And we have two Americas, a Republican one and a Democratic one. And they won't collaborate. We're not leading in the pandemic response. We're trailing other countries by a long shot. This is a crippling blow to America's prestige around the world. And I mean, damn, I remember Obama was like, we're going to try to cure cancer. We can't even get hospital gowns. Like what? I just don't have any confidence in our system to, to handle this. No, it's unbelievable how incompetent our leaders are right now. In Congress, the U.S. Senate passed H.R. 6322. That was co-sponsored by Tennessee's first congressional representative, Phil Rowe. 
The legislation will allow student veterans to continue receiving certain education and training benefits from the VA that would be reduced or halted due to programs unable to continue during the COVID-19 pandemic. Congressman Rose said, I am proud that once again, Congress has taken quick, decisive action to safeguard student veterans' earned benefits. With so much uncertainty about what lies ahead, we owe it to our veterans to ensure that the benefits that they rely on will continue to be there for them, even in the most extraordinary times. That legislation passed in the Senate. I think it it had pretty broad support. I, I think it was a bipartisan bill in the first place. And Senator Marsha Blackburn per usual is talking about China and and she was she was recently pissed off at the World Health Organization because the spokeswoman said that it is probably likely that the virus is of animal origin and that the World Health Organization is not also pushing this this theory that that's not been proven at all by any means that the virus started in a Chinese lab President Donald Trump last week said the administration is investigating whether the the virus did originate in a lab. This is mainly some speculative theory that emerged from right-wing bloggers and conservative media pundits. But in essence, this is the argument. There's a lab near where the outbreak happened, and that lab studied bats. That's it. That's, That's it. That's the whole connection. That's why they're saying that it definitely started there based on that. This is not a theory that has broad support in the scientific community or even in even in our own government. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs said that there there isn't evidence to suggest, at least at this time, that that it was that it started in that Chinese lab or that. And this this is where it gets really off the rails that China was developing it as some sort of biological agent to wage war against people. But that's 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 Marsha's priority right now. And she also went on Diamond and Silk. She wanted to thank the conservative duo for always providing good information and setting the record straight. And if you haven't heard of Diamond and Silk or you haven't looked at anything, you're really not missing out on much. They're very popular in conservative circles and they peddle a lot of conspiracy theories and false information They recently pushed the idea that 5G cell towers can contribute to COVID-19. Diamond said she was concerned that these 5G towers are going up and they're in certain places. The frequency of that can really throw your body off. It can mess up your genetics and can also cause for your genetic material to test for COVID-19. She said, I don't know if that's true, but somebody should look into it. Why would you say that then? I mean, that's such a ridiculous conspiracy to push. So Marsha went on their show for whatever reason I don't know why she wants to bring attention, but like I said, they're very, very popular in conservative circles. They're huge, huge Trump supporters, as is Marsha. So she goes on there to discuss how the Confucius Institutes that are here in the United States are primarily for Chinese propaganda and for getting spies into the country. She also wanted to make the point that the Chinese Communist Party is really the problem here. And Diamond Silk agreed it's it's not the people. It's the communist government. And so they're all worried that we are turning into a Chinese communist country, or as they say, a socialist country. Those are they're very, very different political philosophies, by the way. Marsha, Diamond, and Silk, they're not interested in nuance. They're not interested in discussion. They're just interested in politics. And when discussing Congress's slow response to get more money into small businesses, Marsha blamed Democrats. She said, 
Democrats don't get that people really love their employees and want to give them a job. That's what that's what Democrats don't get, that that people love hiring people, that businesses love hiring people. That's that's the disconnect. She also said Pelosi is hijacking the American people's money and giving it away to illegal immigrants in foreign countries. And Diamond and Silk were really confused why we even send country money to countries overseas in the first place. I think that was probably in response to the reports that came out that President Obama had sent that lab in Wuhan like $3 million for research. And if we're being real, $3 million, that's a fucking drop in the bucket for, for the United States. So let's not blow this up as if it, it's some huge scandal. And actually, Twitter recently locked Diamond and Silk's account because they were tweeting misinformation about coronavirus that violated the company's rules against coronavirus misinformation. What they tweeted was, the only way we can become immune to the environment, we must be out in the environment. Quarantining people inside of their houses for extended periods will make people sick. And they tweeted this out to their 1.4 million followers. So Marsha wants to go on a show that actively pushes out conspiracies and fake information about the coronavirus to discuss Chinese misinformation and propaganda and about how they lie about the coronavirus. I mean, my head, my head hurts. That wasn't, that wasn't enough stupid for one day. Senate candidate Bill Haggerty took to Twitter to say that the virus is proof that we need to build a wall. And just, holy shit, it did, did it start in Mexico? I mean, that can't be true because he keeps blaming China. He said it's the cover-up of the century. But now the, the, the virus is evidence that we need a wall on our southern border. The fa- Again, I, I'm just so – I'm just at a loss for words. Like I don't even know what to say to these people. If the virus showed us anything, it is how inadequate our healthcare system is and how – fragile our economy is when you aren't prioritizing workers, when you're not ensuring that everyone has adequate pay. And our leaders have just been more interested in kneecapping government's response to to people in need. But I, I encourage you all just to, to look at all this information on your own. If you don't follow your elected representatives, see what they're saying comment, be involved. That is the only way we are going to get people out. That is the only way we could change their minds is if we have a large scale movement and we must demand radical change in our entire system. That is the only way we can't continue to compromise on some of these issues because we have all the backing we need. We have all of the health experts agreeing with this person this point of view. Economists agree with this. The only people who don't agree with it are the ones that are in charge right now. I think they just don't want to look bad. I don't, I think they just want to win the optics game, but it's coming at the cost of people's lives and of people's health and their financial security. If they even had that to begin with, we need massive change and it's only going to happen if we work together, be involved See who's running for for Congress, for the state house in your district. Pay attention and vote. And if you're particularly inclined, run for office yourself to make sure that we get the change that we deserve. That's it for the show today. 
Again, don't forget to subscribe. We are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TriStarTalk. I'm Jeff Patterson. Thanks so much for listening.